0: Good morning, Good morning. Hey. I know we say it every week, but the way that the prayers and the songs and the readings all go together are so wonderful because it's all based in the truth of God's word Amen. and um, if, if you're not always seen it, let me encourage you to go back after the service. Um sometimes it takes a little while to delay to get the service the sermon posted, but you can go to your worship guide. You can review those psalms again in light of the message. You can review those readings again in light of the songs. And you can see that there's a much fuller, broader, richer Bringing forth of who God is of Who Christ is Of the work of redemption Of what has been done It's, it's there for us If we're willing to do the work uh, This morning I will be Bringing to you um, Some things from my study From the book of Hebrews And we're taking on I'm taking on a big chunk uh, Chapters 1 and chapter 2 of uh, Hebrews And um, there's a lot to cover here So let's go to the Lord in prayer And we'll get started Our Father in heaven again We thank you For having sent your son For having revealed to us In scripture The nature of who you are For understanding For our hearts and minds being enlightened By the spirit That we can see Redemption and salvation that we can see that it is all based in truth, it holds up, tested over time. We thank you that you promised to bless your word, and we thank you that you promised to bless the gathered body, the congregation. So, we come here today, and I ask you to forgive me for asking for so much. When you've already given so much when your promises are already there when it is finished and our purpose is to believe and proclaim and I ask that for all of us here today may we simply believe and then with our hearts with our minds with our voices as we go out into the world Let us live and proclaim in the sense that we belong to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I remember being in a Sunday school class years ago and hearing the teacher make a comment about seeing Christ in the Old Testament. I don't think this was the purpose of his lesson. And he said it in a very matter-of-fact way that caught me off guard. At the time, I hadn't been going to church for very long, and I understood very little of the scriptures. I remember raising my hand and interrupting the class and asking, Where did we find Christ in the Old Testament? I'm sure that a list of books and chapters and verses were rattled off, From every direction of the room, I don't quite remember how the rest of that lesson went, but I did understand that from that moment on, I would try to make it a point to look for Christ when reading the Old Testament. Hebrews is a wonderful book to turn to in order to get a good understanding of not only where we can see Christ in the Old Testament, but to obtain a fuller understanding of who God is, of who Christ is, and of who we are. Hebrews expresses the truth of the Christian faith to new believers. It reinforces the deity of Christ. It provides explanations as to why Christ is our Savior. Pastor Todd, when speaking of the purpose of the Old Testament, stated that it was to prophesy of the grace that has come to us through Jesus Christ. Sinclair Ferguson refers to Hebrews as one of those books which contains keys. To the whole Bible message. And I really liked that, that statement, keys. I mean, when I look at scriptures, when I think of all the things I don't understand, when we think of the locked doors, wouldn't it be nice to have keys to help us gain access? And Hebrews being considered one of these keys to the whole Bible message. The book of Hebrews expresses Jesus Christ as the ultimate fulfillment of types. Revealed to us by God throughout the Old Testament. The book also offers encouragement to Christians to endure in faith, to not despair in the face of trials. Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection are presented as the essential things that make him far superior to angels and persons used by God in revealing himself to us in the books of the Old Testament. There are many types of explained to us within this book. In understanding these Old Testament types, we can see God revealing to us His love, mercy, and faithfulness. We can better understand how those attributes mean exponentially more to us as believers who are being perfected through the person and work of God's Son. Here there is a larger picture of Christ being brought forth through the unpacking and understanding Of Old Testament truth. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I have some outline headings with this one the superiority of Christ to the prophets, the contrast of messengers sent, but now his son. There are many verses in the scriptures that are theologically heavy, rich, Full of significant meaning for instance Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and John 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and here in Hebrews we see in these first two verses words equally loaded with meaning long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, here we have a review of the entirety of the Old Testament Scriptures. God did indeed, in times past, speak to His people through the prophets. But here the Scripture Is telling us that Christ is superior to the prophets understand that throughout the Old Testament God used the prophets as a mouthpiece one who would speak for God and communicate his message to his people Adam Noah Abraham Moses David and on and on throughout the different history the words of God were brought to us at many times and in many ways but in these last days But in these last days Note the transition here in the sentence But in these last days I was going to go to bed early But I stayed up late watching the football game I was going to cook dinner But I ordered pizza instead This transition notes That something was being done And then that way stopped And something else Has taken its place God spoke to our fathers By the prophets But In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son." Note again that He has spoken past tense. Our confession states in chapter 1 of the Holy Scriptures that the writings of the Old Testament and the New Testament are considered to be most necessary. Those former ways of God revealing His will unto His people now being ceased. And our confession cites this verse, Hebrews 1 1, as a proof text. Because in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The verse continues. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Christ is here given attributes of the divine nature of God. He is shown to be the second person in the Holy Trinity. His radiance and glory and being the exact imprint of his nature means that he is of one substance and equal with him. That is the father. He is truly God and truly man. Psalm 2 reference here in the text states, Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. The nations are his heritage. And the ends of the earth are his possession, because he is the only true heir of all things, as we see here, appointed by the Father. We also see, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The book of Colossians in chapter 1 reads, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The universe as we know it simply exists. Because Jesus Christ, the Son, wills it. By Christ, the universe was made. And by Christ, the universe is sustained by the word of his power. Hebrews 1.3 After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, and his ministers the flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? My second outline header, Superiority of Christ to the Angels. Here we see the author's explanation of how Christ is much more superior to the angels. The position of Christ in relationship to God the Father is much more significant than that of the relationship the Father has with the angels. And here there are several references to passages from the Psalms to make the point. Christ is eternally begotten, Psalm (coughs) 2. Angels are created beings. Christ is given the title of Son to proclaim to us His place as firstborn, and therefore being the one to whom has the right to all things, as can only be given by the Father, Psalm 89. Consequently, we can see that created beings, such as angels, are called to rejoice with Him, Deuteronomy 32, and to worship Him, Psalm 97. The angels are spoken of as servants, as ministers. Psalm 104, their purpose is to serve and to worship. But Christ is spoken of as the one who would have a throne that is forever and ever. Psalm 45, verse 6. And in the next verse of that Psalm, 47, Christ is also spoken of as the one who has been anointed. That is, set apart or authorized by God for the task of kingship. Christ is. Is the object of all worship. The words of God in Psalm 102 now reinforce the relationship of Christ to the angels. Here in Hebrews 1:10 through 12 we see what is recited from Psalm 102. It reads, You, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Christ, having laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens, tells us of his rightful place as creator. Side note, I used to reference this verse when I would have conversations with the Jehovah's Witnesses who would come to our door. Because in Hebrews, we know we are speaking of Christ. And they do not believe that Christ is divinity. They believe he's created. But in the Psalm, you you cannot deny that it was written of God the Father. And we also know from Scripture that God will not share his glory with anyone. So again, we have this reinforcement of the Trinity being shown to us here when we see Psalm 102 the attributes to the Father being given in Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, these attributes given to Christ. Verse 13 is from also from Psalm 110, and it reads, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? It's important to see that the deity of Christ is being reinforced over and over again within these verses. Let it not be lost on us that the author of this exhortation to the Hebrews knew that his hearers would understand these Old Testament references. These psalms that spoke of the rank, the authority, the rightful place, the kingship of the Messiah, the one who would come and save God's people, who would rule and reign forever. These psalms, these Old Testament scriptures being rightly ascribed to Jesus Christ. To bring these people... Face to face with their Lord and Savior And to understand his rightful place As the object of their worship It struck me earlier when I was reading through this I was like, th- think of a, a puzzle You know, the, the Old Testament Jewish people Those who were, be- who were learning about Christ Those who knew, who understood these psalms They had, when I put together a puzzle I do the outline first I do the edges, the border and then you start filling in the pieces and that's the imagery i was getting here you know those who are being spoken to they had the the border but the author of the hebrews is giving them the fuller picture with the information that they already had the son has the throne creation is meant to worship him angels are meant to worship him verse 14 are they not all ministering spirits Sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation The angels are ministering spirits They are to serve God on high They are to worship Christ They are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation Who is that? That is you and I What is the purpose of what we're saying in regards to Christ's superiority over the angels? Why has the author made sure to present this contrast of hierarchy, this creature and creator distinction? Matthew Henry's commentary states, Many Jews had a superstitious or idolatrous respect for angels because they had received the law and other tidings of the divine will by their ministry. They looked upon them as mediators between God and men, and some went so far as to pay them a kind of religious homage or worship. Thus, it was necessary that the apostles should insist not only on Christ's being the creator of all things and therefore angels themselves but as being the risen and exalted Messiah in human nature to whom angels authorities and powers are made subject and this takes us into chapter 2 and we have our first warning Hebrews has several warnings here we have a warning against neglect verse 1 Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. The word therefore in this case does not just apply to Christ's superiority over angels and prophets. It does not just apply to the Old Testament references to his sonship and his kingship that we've covered so far. What have we heard? We have heard from all Of the Old Testament fathers and prophets. Remember our focus on Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 included long ago at many times and in many ways as referencing the entirety of the Old Testament and when we consider the entirety of the Old Testament we must consider the law. Verse 2, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution the message declared by angels spoken of here is a reference to the Mosaic law given at Sinai let me stop right there for a moment because you had asked me a couple days ago who gave the law at Sinai my answer immediately God gave the law right God Moses tablets finger of God but that said We also know that God speaks to us in a way that we can understand. It's been referenced that Martin Luther said that God speaks to us in baby talk, in an infant talk, because the things of God are very vast and different. So I'll note that in Deuteronomy chapter 33, there are statements made about he, the Lord, coming With ten thousands of holy ones And in Acts chapter 7 Verse 53 it reads You who received the law As delivered by angels And did not keep it So within the Old Testament scriptures And within the New Testament scriptures We see, we remember The angels are messengers And we can put together That yes, God delivered the law But we're sure that we can see And we can accept that he had his servants do his work. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, the message is the law, which came with its curses and punishments and has been proven reliable, it has been proven true. God's law demands justice, and God's people are held accountable to it. Every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, means all sin deserves punishment. We have examples in God's word of those who would be put to death for violating God's laws. In Leviticus 10, we see how the sons of Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them, and fire came out from the Lord and consumed them. In 2 Samuel, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down because of his error. This This just isn't confined to the Old Testament text as well because we remember in Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the Holy Spirit about what they had done. And they were struck dead. Now, therefore, since we understand there was a message declared by angels of the law and its curses and its punishments, since we understand this message, this law has been proven reliable, and that God intends that every transgression or disobedience will receive a just retribution, that is, again, to say all sin deserves punishment in light of these things. We must understand what the author intends, that we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Do you think that you will escape the judgments of God in response to sinful disobedience? If you continue to neglect Christ, we shall not escape. There is either eternal punishment for the unrepentant sinner in hell or there is salvation in the robes of the righteousness of Christ for all who believe. There are a couple of interesting words here that I want to focus on. The first is drift. Have you ever thrown a dead limb into the water at a pond or a river? An old broken piece of tree branch Once it's out in the water, it can do nothing for itself. It floats, perhaps propelled by the wind, but it's not actively sending itself further out of reach. It simply drifts further and further away. Eventually, that limb will become consumed with water to the point that it becomes too heavy and will sink down into the water just by doing nothing more than having drifted away. We don't have to do anything to drift away. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard, Less than drift away from. The other word of focus here is neglect. The warning here is for everyone. If you continue to neglect such a great salvation as the one described in the deliverance made available, by Jesus Christ you do it to your own harm to your own detriment again in verse 3 it was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will God has affirmed Christ as the fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures laid out here thoroughly within the book of Hebrews now that God has sent his son how much more should we take heed to the warnings that still apply because of the law yes there is grace but that grace is for those who do not neglect God's son it is in the best interest of all who hear To take these warnings much more to heart And cling to the truth And the works of Christ As the Savior he truly is Picking up in verse 5 I also have another Outline header Founder of salvation For it was not to angels That God subjected the world to come Of which we are speaking It has been testified somewhere what is man that you were mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control at present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. Here we have scriptures based on Psalm 8, the development of Christ's kingship. We have just spent a great deal of time describing how Christ is better than the angels, but here we see that For a little while, he was made lower than the angels. The author is speaking of the condescension and the humiliation of Christ in that he came to earth. He took to himself a body, a body of flesh and a reasonable soul. He fulfilled the work that the father had sent him to accomplish and now has been crowned with glory and honor because of it. Picking up again in verse nine, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus made it possible for men to be reconciled to God. He has tasted death for everyone, all who will be brought to into glory. John Gill writes, He suffered all that the law and justice of God could require, and hereby he became perfectly acquainted with the sufferings of his people and a perfect Savior for them. Verse 11, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, That is why he is not ashamed To call them brothers Saying I will tell of your name to my brothers In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise And again I will put my trust In him And again behold I am the children God has given me We see um, Recitations from Psalm 22, Psalm 18 Isaiah 8 And again I want to point out That the author knew his audience In the scriptures we see that in Jewish settings The apostles used the historical text To point them to Christ As the fulfillment of messianic messianic promises The hearer would know and understand these texts But now for the first time they would be understanding them through the life of Christ. These words were written by David, by Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Here the same words are given to us as spoken by Christ. He calls us his brothers. He calls us his children. He sanctifies And even though our fallen state should bring nothing but shame to ourselves, he is not ashamed of us. Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I'm going to end with a reading from Matthew Henry's commentary on these verses, 14 through 18. The angels fell and remained without hope help. Christ never designed to be the Savior of the fallen angels. Therefore, he did not take their nature. And the nature of angels could not be an atoning sacrifice for the sin of man. Here is a price paid enough for all and suitable to all for it was in our nature Here the wonderful love of God appeared that when Christ knew what he must suffer in our nature and how he must die in it, yet he readily took it upon him. And this atonement made way for his people's deliverance from Satan's bondage and for the pardon of their sins through faith. Let those who dread death and strive to get the better of their terrors, no longer attempt to outbrave or to stifle them, no longer grow careless or wicked through despair. Let them not expect help from the world or human devices, but let them seek pardon, peace, grace, and a lively hope of heaven by faith in him who died and rose again, that thus they may rise above the fear of death. The remembrance of his own sorrows and temptations makes Christ mindful of the trials of his people and ready to help them. He is ready and willing to suffer those who are tempted and seek him. He became man and was tempted that he might be every way qualified to succor his people. Seeing that, He had passed through the same temptations himself, but continued perfectly free from sin. Then let not be afflicted and tempted to spawn or give place to Satan, as the temptations made it wrong for them to come to the Lord in prayer. No, No soul ever perished under temptation that cried unto the Lord from real alarm at its danger with faith and expectation. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the New Testament revealing to us a, a larger scope of truth of the majesty, the kingship, the sonship of your son. And I hope that we stand in awe and amazement. Where we see that we can be brought into the fold, that we can be heirs with Christ. He calls us brother and he is not ashamed. Let us be careful not to be idle, not to be set adrift by doing nothing. We ask that you Bless this word to our hearts and minds That we take this larger scope Of what you have given us Of Christ And that it hold us As we go back Out into our day, into our week And that it give us a longing, a desire, a want To hear more In a short time